Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Belle DeWing. And I'm Alexandria Parker. Today's episode includes content warnings for plastic surgery and potential medical abuse. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes plastic surgery and potential medical abuse. Let's get this started, shall we? We shall. Me on you. A clever title for a clever episode. Today, we'll return back to Dr. Narcissus Narcissus, or as she is better known, Dr. Daffodil Sursanox. The last time we had seen Daffodil, she was tried and declared innocent in the murder case of Whitney Security, a patient that had unfortunately passed on her table. Some odd, out-of-place practices had been revealed during her trial, though. Whilst under investigation, a unique link was made to her practice through 32 women who all had their facial features changed from Dr. Sersenox's practice. Perhaps not all of them were perfect clones of her, but plenty of them were far too close for comfort. 24 of these women had received an unadvertised discount to their services, which was quickly dismissed as good faith. Out of all of the clients that had seen the case, they were the only ones to have received any discount at all. Today, we're doing a deeper dive into the psychology surrounding the case, but most specifically, Dr. Daffodil Sersenox herself. We will be reviewing what is said in the episode and breaking it down, but I will not provide a God's eye perspective in this instance. We briefly meet an intelligent, beautiful young girl named Daffodil, prom queen and local beauty. From the moment she was born, she is said to have been dolled up, taken pictures of constantly, and overwhelmed with compliments on her appearance, before being allowed to go off and explore her interests. However, this aspect of Daffodil's past is not factual, it is opinion-based. It's important to note that the information that we got here is from Heather Sersenox, who stated that she is not a reliable character witness, and that she holds resentment towards her sister, even to this day. Daffodil was said not to speak of it often, which makes her three comments on her upbringing particularly important. Firstly, she allegedly claimed that she had always had an interest in plastic surgery. Secondly, she is quoted to have said that her earliest memories were those of compliments. Lastly, she, on the stand, answers a question about her past. I will read that now. I found that plastic surgery was a unique form of medicine, the most engaging for me to practice. Patients are excited to work with me rather than reasonably upset at their own illness. It changes and saves lives in a way that other medicine doesn't do. I was particularly intrigued by the positive impact of cosmetic surgery due to growing up as someone that was stereotypically beautiful. I want other people to have that joy, and as per my patient's testimonies, I've never failed at my job. Though a small statement, it gives us momentary insight into Daffodil's thought process, how she chose her profession, and how she views beauty. She views beauty as a positive impact. It was a joy that she experienced and genuinely wanted to share with other people. Yet, the only real piece of information we got from her about her own childhood is that she was very interested with her career early on, that she remembers compliments most prominently in her childhood, and that beauty brought her positive impact and joy. So... Why is she so closed off about it? If it was mentioned in the episode, surely someone was asking questions about her life experience in relation to the case. Daffodil, throughout the trial, had otherwise been so calm and compliant, why was this the only set of questioning that she had shown resistance to? Like all the others, we're focusing really heavily on beauty's effect on Daffodil, when what she was openly speaking about and what she does openly speak about is her love for her intellect and her love for her plastic surgery. She clearly had a plan for her life, as as soon as she finished high school, she stepped straight into college, then straight into medical school, where most of her character witnesses met her, where she had allegedly spoken about how much she had wanted to go into her profession. 
It's safe to believe that this is what she was passionate about. She had never taken on a lover, never focused much on people that weren't in her exact profession. She loved plastic surgery first and foremost. Though she is rightfully closed off during the trial, her words do speak volumes. She cares about the work that she does, she does consider it life-saving, and she is secure in her knowledge about her passion. Daffodil, while in trial, was very consistent with this fact. I like that. I appreciate that she knew who she was, she knew what she was doing. Not that it's not okay if you have to figure out what you're doing, but I appreciate that she's got this passion, she's not beating around the bush or minimizing her own intelligence or her devotion to it. Exactly, exactly. She is a strong, intelligent woman. She's a doctor, and she is clearly dedicated. Yeah. Perhaps that's why these people got these discounts. If she was running an otherwise successful business, why would she not want to indulge in this craft that she loves so much, even if it wasn't a smart business plan to spend her resources on? Maybe because... If she makes them pay less for the surgery to make them into a clone of her, they have less grounds to sue her on? I don't know how law works. Every time I do a case, I just research the law. I also don't know how law works. She did make them sign a waiver before oh. they did any surgery. All of the discounted people, well, we know about um, Whitney and Cle- What What was her first name? Casey the... We- the tr- Casey, the- yeah. Yeah, We know about Casey and Whitney, who both were quoted to have signed waivers, allowing her to do the procedure with creative directive. Perhaps it eases her conscience about making clones of herself unknowingly (laughs) on human beings. Maybe. I I mean, I'm not her. I've never met the woman. I'm just delving really deep into her childhood based off of a couple sentences she happened to say. Cool. Perhaps this is why she was innocent. She wouldn't risk losing plastic surgery, the consistent factor in her life, over one person. Again, Daffodil was consistent, and she was very well-grounded during the trial. However, there are counter-arguments here. It's easy to say that she's a good person, just to, as a blanket statement, a good faith in humanity. But is she a wolf in sheep's clothing? It very easily could have been selfish. Let me remind the audience that she did, in fact, create clones of herself through this discount. Her clients were not informed that she was making this creative directive. It was just signing off on their, on her creative directive. And she had them sign waivers to do it. She let them put her trust in her only to use them as practice, so to say, to make them so similar to herself that they could lose their own identity. Losing one's identity. What an interesting concept for a girl that was presumably dragged into her mother's room to put on frilly dresses. Even whilst biased against her, there's a specific wording that Heather used of allowing her to do her own thing. This implies that Davidel may have been held until she complied with her parents, and when they were satisfied, she was allowed to do what she wished. Though it may be a stretch, one can even refer back to the thought that she was on an accelerated pace for her schooling. It is plausible that she wished to get away from her parents. In the episode, it's mentioned that her views on beauty were ambiguous. Many couldn't tell if she had cared for it all too much, or not at all, I wrote, and that was for good reason. Never once was it said that Daffodil was flaunting her beauty. It was simply something that she had. It was something she possessed. 
It was something that her parents flaunted, but she herself simply cared about making other people as beautiful as she had been her whole life. If she had been perfectly happy with her parents' actions, why would she be so closed off on the subject, especially when it made her career? Why would she not come forward and state that she had a perfectly happy childhood? Or why would she not talk about how wonderful her parents were to her character witnesses? If her parents were neglectful to one child, it's not a stretch to say that they could have been unethical with their care for Daffodil. From the description that we are given, the audience is left to infer that her parents did not care about her wishes in this scenario. As described, her family oohed and awed at her. From a young girl, her identity was set out for her. She was as beautiful as a field of daffodils, and what she would be worshipped for was not what she cared about, but for her appearance. It is a reasonable conclusion that if our assumptions here are correct, and her parents were not as good to her as Heather might have thought, that she would not have much of an individual identity apart from beauty early on. She would have had to discover it all later in life, and as said by how much she loves surgery, it clearly still plays a role. In the end, her parents would have gotten what they wanted. Her identity was beauty, what she could give to the world. But poor parents are never exactly satisfied with just a touch of their influences being present, are they? It leaves us to wonder why Heather, her estranged older sister, was her familial character witness. Where were her parents that doted on her so much as a child? Would Heather not have mentioned if they had passed somewhere in her testimony? Could her decision to have pursued her intellect over her beauty caused a rift between her and her parents? We don't know, but it's an interesting train of thought to follow, especially with the pretext of her background. Yeah, that's weird. Um, Even in the times when my parents and I are not getting along, I know that if I was on trial for murder... They would show up and be my character witnesses. It doesn't really matter if we haven't been seeing eye to eye or anything. I think they would still show up. I I mean, I've never been on trial for murder and had to call my parents as character witnesses. But I assume. Especially my mom. So, it's, it's, it's very odd that they didn't show if they were alive. It does say a lot that... Both of the kids are estranged and estranged from each other as well. The whole family does not interact anymore, if this is presumed to be correct. And again, when your parents die, you tend to mention it when it comes to something like a murder trial, where it's, yeah, Yeah. unfortunately, my parents have passed, but the parents just weren't there. They They weren't mentioned beyond childhood. And Heather, you know... We can presume that Heather cut contact. That's a pretty easy assumption because Heather said that she hadn't really talked to her in, what, four years? Or she was four years older than her. I don't remember. But she hadn't talked to her in a while. So, But you still know about your parents' death. So I do presume, and I think it's a healthy presumption to say that her parents were not there. Her parents did not come to trial. Yeah, that's odd. I I think it's odd as well. Let's return to the usage of the mask in this story, a minor detail that I had intended to expand upon and did not. As mentioned in the season 2 Q&A, she did not need to have a mask on for these consultations that she was in. She notably kept a mask on the entire time that she was meeting with clients, to the point where it could be remarked as odd. This could easily be to hide the facial features that she had been placing upon other people, but then again, it could just as easily be that she did not want her beauty to distract from her intellect as it had done her whole life. I'm going to refer back to her testimony and put some emphasis on some words. 
I was particularly intrigued by the positive impact of cosmetic surgery due to growing up as someone that was stereotypically beautiful. I want other people to have that joy. And as per my patient's testimony, I've never failed at my job. By her own words, Daffodil clearly demonstrates that she was much more focused on the impact of the surgery than she was the beauty of the surgery. She mentions that she is stereotypically beautiful, but with her primary focus being her surgery, it does make sense with her having a history of being fawned over to want to hide her face if she wants to focus on her work. Perhaps this tells us more about why Daffodil cloned herself and so many different women, but I've explained Daffodil Sersenux enough for you, the audience, to make a good enough guess as to why she might have done what she did. I've given some hints as to what it could be, but it's much more interesting to discuss than it is to tell. This is a great moment to mention that you can send in your comments, questions, suggestions, and theories into untruecrimethepodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase. Send in. I love to talk about Dr. Sersnox. Our season Q&As do not have to just be limited to one season. And with that, that was a slight dive into the psychology of Dr. Daffodil Sersenox, a woman who committed a psychological horror simply to theorize about who she is, why she is, and what she did. Any last comments? No, I just think that I had never thought that deeply about Daffodil. Like, I should have, but I didn't. And I think that was that was really interesting. Like, I, I hadn't pick up on those kinds of things with her testimony about her childhood. I thought it was interesting that she did not talk about her childhood, so I specifically wanted to touch on the fact that she didn't do that. But she briefly <laughs> did mention little bits of it. And most of it was about, like, oh, I like plastic surgery. Right. It's not always what you say. It's also what you don't say. Exactly. There's a lot of the don't say here. So anyone can make any assumptions that they want. Again, on True Crime, the podcast at gmail.com, uh, yeah. lowercase. Yeah, that doesn't just apply to Dr. Daffodil Sersenak's testimony, but our unsolved cases, too. And some of our solved cases. Perhaps there's more to them that meets the eye, and perhaps it's what is not said. Dun, dun, dun. All right, folks, that is all for today. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening, and goodbye! Bye!